I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Why Not A Doc fans. This is Anna from Real Talk here, and I'm here because I need your help. Real Talk is a podcast about me as a laboratory-bound, theory-obsessed material scientist, finding out about how other people use materials. My guests are people who work with or eat or make art from all sorts of different materials. For example, I've talked to a blacksmith about steel, a dentist about mercury, and a chocoholic about, well, chocolate. I'm looking for a brilliant barber or hairdresser to come on the show and talk to me about hair, specifically Afro hair. I'm interested in their experiences with hair, how hair makes them feel and what their thought processes are when they work with it. So if you know anyone who fits the bill, then please put us in touch. You can find me on Twitter at Realtalk. That's R-I-A-L talk. And I'd really love to hear from them. Thanks, guys. Love what you do. Bye, 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 bye. Hello and welcome to Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet, the only podcast that uses cutting-edge science to answer the questions that you actually have. Things like, what's up with trees? Why is the sky blue? And how much money could I make selling my urine on the dark net? It's a, it's a question. How much? Um, well, you can definitely sell it on eBay because I found some. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I need the money, okay? It's very unfortunate because I actually have a database of drugs and prices on my laptop, which I haven't got with me. Um, it does, I've never seen Some urine. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen urine. Oh, hi, I'm Keris. <laughs> As always, I am your host, Alex Lathbridge. I'm a PhD computational biologist and sometimes comedian, funny person. On my left, I've got Oz Ismail. Oz is a PhD neuroscientist in imaging and dementia, a Tinder aficionado, and is a compendium of awkward sexual advice. I am all of those things. And on my right, I have Suhail Patel. Suhail is an amazing journalist. He makes brilliant videos for the BBC and he's just come back from Norway. What's a compendium? That's... <laughs> that thing. <laughs> yeah. And as you have heard, we are joined by a guest. Today in the studio, we have Keris Bradley. Hi. Uh, hello, my name is uh, Keris. I am a PhD student at UCL. I study the dark net, which mm. is why I have a database of drugs and their prices on my laptop. It's not for personal use. Uh, I'm also a stand-up comedian and 
science communicator. I've worked with Alex and Oz, not with Sahil, on a range <laughs> We're going to work together on that list real soon, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see that for research. He's found purposes. a reason for collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've performed at a whole bunch of different things like the Green Man Festival, Edinburgh Fringe Festival, Science Show Off, all of those wonderful events. We are in for a special treat because Karis, as they mentioned, is really a font of knowledge when it comes to all things dark net and these two know very little about it uh oz keeps asking me if the dark net is the same as black twitter so- i mean i thought it was just the the when you know people who are dark-skinned use the net so it's I, dark net okay? i was literally reading about something called dark social today so if anything was black twitter it would be dark social yeah but that's not what dark social is. <laughs> dark social we, sounds we, a little seedy. Look, we're going to get... <laughs> <laughs> because then I would associate dark social with a dark room. And dark no, but... rooms are places where... I don't know what happens in dark rooms. No, gonna... you <laughs> slut shaming? <laughs> I'm going to say dark social does sound like um, if Silicon Valley came up with black people meet, like right now. <laughs> I was thinking more if it was like a goth party. No, yeah. I was straight up thinking dark. We'll edit that joke out. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did not land. Uh, it's okay. You're trying. Seeing as we have an expert here, I suppose we should start with some questions, really. Let's just open it up with, what's the dark web? So, uh, so the dark web is like an internet overlay um, and it's, uh, like a, it's essentially a subsection of the internet, but it's defined by two things. So firstly, it's not indexed by search engines. So this means that the websites that are categorized as being in the dark web, they are not accessible just by putting a bunch of random words into Google or any other search engine, many of which are available. Um, and the other thing is that you need special permission in order to access these websites. So that special permission could come through having a username and password. It could be being invited um, through a link or most commonly it's using specific technology designed to provide greater anonymity when you're accessing the internet. So this is things like Tor. Um, so Tor is a Primarily, the Tor browser is a web browser, operates like Google Chrome or Mozilla Firefox, but its job is to try and break that link between the device you're using to access the internet and the website that you're actually accessing. Um, So in theory, if you're using something like Tor, people wouldn't be able to prove that you were visiting the websites that you were visiting, and if they were monitoring those websites, they wouldn't be able to see that you were one of the people looking at it. So essentially what that means is we have this... um, section of the internet which is not categorized we know we don't know how big it is we don't know all of the websites that are on it um and the people who are using it have a greater protection in terms of who they are and where they're based when they're accessing those websites i did look up tor right and i have a very important question about tor Mm -hmm. why is its logo an onion so tor stands for the onion router and does it have to do with actual vegetable onions so onions onions Onions, much like ogres, are made of many layers. And Tor... I don't get it. An actual (laughs) scientific fact that ogres are in fact made of layers. It's like parfait. (laughs) Citation, Shrek. We've all seen that documentary, guys. Um, And so the way that the... 
that Tor essentially works is that it's providing you with protection in lots of layers. Right. It's like you connect like through various nodes, don't you? you? Like connect from one person to the other. So sort of thing. So when you say like nodes, what's yeah. that? What's that mean? So uh, nodes is five points for the technical term. Um, basically, you can think about those as computers within the network. So the internet is just a network of lots and lots of devices. So servers and computers all connected together, um, and Tor is a subset of those computers and servers that are connected together. So if you were to commun- if you were to go on a website using just Google Chrome or Mozilla Firefox, your device is c- communicating directly with the server that's hosting that website. So they know who you are and where you're based. If you're using Tor, instead of that message going directly to them, it passes through a route of other computers. And what that means is the website that you're communicating with, they think that they're talking to that last computer in the path. They don't know who you are or where you are. The last computer in the path thinks that it's communicating between the website and the computer before it, and so on and so on. So the idea is that nobody in that path has the full information about where the message actually started and where it's ending up. Right. So to my uncomputerized brain it's a real term real biological <laughs> term you are the biologist i mean yeah you have to believe me that's what they use in hospitals uh is that the same as encrypting things like whatsapp says my messages are encrypted is that what's what's happening so tor does rely on encryption but is a separate technology so encryption um is when you take a message and you apply a um essentially a mathematical calculation to it and you are and and the idea is that you produce something which appears perfectly random so what encryption is trying to do is it's trying to make your message um not only make it so that it can't be read by anyone that you don't want to read it but also make it so that that person can't tell the difference between your message and any other encrypted message so that's what it's trying to do it's make trying to make it look as if it's just a random string of of text doesn't make any kind of sense much like my tinder conversations and <laughs> 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 intelligible all encrypted it's yes. not yes um so Tor relies on encryption technologies um, to hide the path that your message is, is passing through. Um, and a lot of people also use Tor in conjunction with something like a VPN or a virtual private network, which is encrypting your communication from your like computer basically to the internet so that anyone who's trying to intercept that message that's being sent isn't going to be able to read it. But Tor relies on different mathematical principles and isn't the same as encryption yeah you know it's just funny because that's the question i had prepared which was going to be like what's the difference between using like a tor a tor browser compared to using like a vpn because you know i've heard you know we're talking about tor giving you non an immediate about words are hard okay aussie <laughs> saying things is hard you know I'm anonymity <laughs> no, can we like are you are you putting that on because people have been coming up and like alex really like a podcast um but uh it seems that you the guy sahel he you keep ragging on him too much why why do you keep hurting him, making him i'm like no he's doing it to himself like it's not we, we aren't we, why no it's him listen i'm lazy in all regards <laughs> including reading and saying things anyway um but the point i'm making is is you know tall brows <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It. Just take a second. Speak from your heart. Speak from my heart. This is how I feel about Tor browser. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so with Tor browser and VPN, what's the difference? Because 
from my understanding, Tor bra- you can still be traced through using Tor browser, can't you? Yeah, so it's really important to say that Tor isn't going to provide you like perfect anonymity. And there are lots of examples where law enforcement um, or other organizations have been able to identify people who are using Tor. But it is much, much, much harder. And uh, in a lot of instances, law enforcement aren't technologically capable to trace your your traffic mm. through Tor. Um, Tor and VPNs like, are different types of technology. So VPN um, is this uh, encryption and, and a proxy. And Tor is this network that firstly gives you access to websites that you wouldn't be otherwise be able to access if you weren't using it, but also does this really cool thing where it's passing your messages mm. through other people's devices. Mm. So it kind of relies on the fact, like this interconnected network of people. You know, it's interesting you said about, you know, the deep web or the, sorry, not the dark web being like a sub part of the internet. What are the other parts, would you say, of the net, of the internet that we know about? So broadly, we split the internet into two things. Um, there's the surface web and the deep web. And then the dark web is a subsection of the deep web. So the difference between the surface web and the deep web is just that the surface web is everything that Google and other kind of search engines have categorized an index that you can access through them. The surface, uh, the deep web is much, much, much bigger than the surface web. It's really difficult to estimate, but um, one of the estimates that I've read is that the surface web is about 1% of all the information. So if you think about, you just like type in butts and things into Google and then it Mm. gives you back like several million responses. That's a tiny fraction of all of the information that is out there. The deep web is all stuff like, so the university's library and database, uh, databases, all of that kind of stuff, that'll be stored on the deep web. Um, if you have like a network for your company or your school or something like that, um, probably that's going to be start, stored on the deep web as well and not the surface web. So is that just stuff that you can't necessarily access through a search engine? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So Keris, you you don't know a lot about the dark net just for the sake of knowing it, do you? No. So it's part of your PhD research, right? Yes. Could you explain a bit more about it? Uh, So for my PhD at the UCL Crime and Security Science Department, I basically look at darknet markets. These are marketplaces, websites that exist on the darknet that facilitate the trade of illegal goods like drugs. Um, And I try and measure the impacts of different types of law enforcement interventions. So law enforcement, not a big fan of the websites that allow you to buy drugs. And uh, <laughs> but why? Oh, but, but why? But why? why that's so that <laughs> makes no sense. Well, it's actually kind of a contentious issue within the academic literature, not so much within the legal sphere. <laughs> <laughs> also, scientists are there, just like, well, you know what? Do we actually really need to do this? It's a waste of resources. Uh, They're just yeah. coming back. So, some people argue that like uh, drug markets online are safer environments for you to buy drugs than those offline because. You don't have to meet face-to-face with a vendor who might stab you. Um, You also uh, potentially are going to get a higher quality of drug uh, because, so this is the theory, and I want to stress that this is a theory, um, and I will explain why it's only a theory once I've told you the theory, which is that these marketplaces come with a review-based system. Um, just the same way as Amazon and eBay, but often the reviewing part is compulsory. 
So every time you make a purchase, you have to give, you have to leave a review and you have to give a rating out of five. And the argument is that this means that buyers are much more informed of the quality of the drugs that they're buying. There are also services that exist in this environment. There's a group of people who buy samples of drugs and then they test it themselves. uh, And you can buy drug testing kits in the same place that you buy the drugs. And there's this entire community behind the marketplaces that will teach you how to use drugs safely and teach you how to test your drugs and that sort of thing. So people argue that this is a safer environment in which to buy your drugs. A lot of those people arguing that are people who buy drugs on the internet. So it's unclear. (laughs) The other reason why there's not exactly rigorous scientific evidence that the quality of drugs is is higher here than it is um, in offline drug markets is that um, so I've read two studies where people have bought drugs and then done samples of it. Um, obviously, it's quite difficult to get ethical approval to do this and you can't buy large quantities. So in one study, they were like, this is of a much higher quality. And in the other study, they were like, this is pretty much identical to a shipment that was taken off the streets. So it's not like you can't guarantee that it's the case. So it's sort of, I mean, it's jumping a little bit to a conclusion to say that it is safer to buy your drugs online than offline. But some people argue that if it is the case that it's safer, maybe the smartest thing to do from a law enforcement perspective would be to not shut down these markets in case that the people who are using them then go and make their purchases offline. So it is a bit contentious, but it is still illegal. So law enforcement are somewhat obligated to do their jobs. No, no, she's making a good point. It's because it's the question of like, you know, Dark they, net is they, you. Yeah. Yeah, if you could use they instead they. of she, oh, yeah, sorry, that would sorry. be appreciated. Sorry, sorry. She, they make they're making a good point in the sense that you know the need for um, or the demand for illegal drugs um, means that people will start to use places like the dark net, and you know for that puts us in a kind of a um, moral kind of what's the word quandary kind of quandary because in a moral quandary. Excellent. <laughs> I mean, you could have just smoothly carried on. <laughs> well, the day, uh, I'm going to say about eight times this podcast okay. now. Anyway, uh, so we have this moral quandary where, like, you know, guys, let me have now, my moment. Now let it's not natural moment. anymore. Let me have my moment. Yeah. Did you uh, consider the moral quandary of teaching Sahel a new word? Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I weighed it up. It was a bit of a Sophie's <laughs> choice. <laughs> Listen, let's get out of this quandary, all right? I've got to carry on. Uh, Webster's choice, I think. But, but, but it's a good point. Don't because, that was bad. Because the dark net, you know, we're talking about the dark net and it's being used for drugs. You know, you said you got a lot of research on it. Um, two papers. No, no, they're not my papers. Mm. I know, I know. Just there are two papers and they aren't theirs, so. I don't have any papers. No, oh, it's okay. Anyway. Was hey. All right, look, look, look. Hey, hey. We, we, don't, we don't rate people by papers here. We rate them by jokes. Failing in both, but let's go. Anyway. That is such a lie. It's not my fault that you didn't edit my jokes in, but you paused it when I had the funniest thing. And now it's not even made it to the recording. Ooh. No, it's really Women sad. can make jokes, Alex. <laughs> oh, fuck. No. Karis, don't do this to me. <laughs> Karis, please. I'm... All right, have you got your point? <laughs> yes. My point is... Sorry, this, this is the Karis show now. <laughs> <laughs> Rebranding. Sorry. It's going to happen ASAP. I think I've been replaced. My... I came, I saw, I quandary. Yeah, my quandary. <laughs> Fuck's sake. So help, please, take listen, me out of this. <laughs> listen, all right, governor. Uh, 
you know the dark net is associated with criminal activity is that the only thing that really takes place on there i mean is there other things that are happening are you automatically committing a criminal activities if you're going on the dark net that is an excellent question um so it is not illegal to go on the dark net itself but it is illegal to go on the dark net and then do something illegal um lots of people use the dark net and they use things like tor to do really positive things or to do like neutral things. So some people use this technology because they believe that the government shouldn't be seeing what they Google, that Google shouldn't be seeing what they Google, that they have the right to keep the stuff that they do on the internet private, whether that is looking at pictures of adorable dogs or buying drugs online. But isn't it a case that if you download download the tool browser that you automatically go on some list of, this is what I've read, online okay i have not read that online and i don't think that that's true but i don't know that it's not true Mm. so don't quote me on that Mm -hmm. um but lots of people use tor for for like really really important positive things so whistleblowers use it activists use it human rights groups use it people who are in um countries where things that we wouldn't consider to be illegal are illegal so lgbt communities um persecuted marginalized groups And they find these um, technologies really, really important for both getting information on their countries out of those countries, but also getting support and information into those countries. So very good. Very good. I mean, just to add to that, most of I've been on the dark net before and most of it is kind of bollocks, though, isn't it really? Like, it's just like shitty memes and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, that's like 95 percent of the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That point is completely mute. Anyway, I was going to say. A friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. Called is that Pussy how we? <laughs> you talking about the hell? Is that, is that is that how you describe me as a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend? I mean, I was <laughs> trying to trying to like be like uh, like tall onion, you know, but layers, and layers, and layers. That's true. I do love onions. anonymous, but it's uh, legit not to hell. <laughs> But a friend who is hidden behind all these layers of onion um, told me once that the world was gonna owe me. (laughs) I ain't the sharpest tool in the shit. Um, So they said they use Bitcoin to get their drugs and shit on the web that does not have light. The darkness. Yes. Why do we need to use Bitcoin? Because why can't we just use regular money i'm only asking this because i don't understand not just the dark web but i also don't understand bitcoin okay so bitcoin is a type of cryptocurrency cryptocurrencies and bitcoin is not the only one there are lots there's ethereum there's ripple there's dogecoin uh these are they're all cryptocurrencies and the difference between a cryptocurrency and a conventional currency is that cryptocurrencies are decentralized. So there's no central authority that gets to create or take away this money um, or and also authorize the transactions and the people who are allowed to um, buy and, and spend and, and use this money. Um, and it exists only online. So the reason why you would want to use a cryptocurrency as opposed to normal currency is because uh, authority, um, sorry, is because legal authorities and banks and organizations like that don't have the ability to stop you from using this currency. So they can't stop you from creating a Bitcoin account and they can't stop you from spending that money. Um, The other reason is that 
part of the motivation for creating these cryptocurrencies is to try and create a more anonymous form of, of cash when you're trading online. So the hope is that by using Bitcoin, people aren't going to be able to trace the purchases that you make back to you. And that's not completely foolproof um, and it is possible, but it's it can be harder. So I could create an account under a fake name. For example, I could get a Bitcoin account under the name of Aussie Ismail. <gasps> and then I could buy lots of drugs and guns. <gasps> and uh, that background check is just going to yeah, be exactly. destroyed by... And then you'll have to stay in London with us. <gasps> nice. um, but if I was able to create, keep that online account completely separate from my offline account, then the idea is you wouldn't be able to prove that I had made those purchases. So basically it's like actually using cash money but you can't do that online obviously because it has yeah. to physically be there okay i kind of get it now yeah i just want to put it out there that um Karis, you've sort of rumbled uh my so the why not a donor campaign gives out uh, bitcoin to people who are donors <laughs> and people of color um mm. i'm not saying i haven't but any documentation or any accounts linked to uh, the Bitcoin may be in the name of Aussie Ismail. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my I God. Were gonna say, I thought you were going to reveal that this was your money laundering. Operation. Oh, yeah. No, this is, this is my complete, my Bitcoin washing operation. Like, you guys, <laughs> I've had such a clean record until I started this podcast. Yeah, no, the entire... WTF. The entire Why Not a Donor campaign is just my way of very, very, very slowly washing all of this Bitcoin. His drug money. Oh, yeah, all of it. <laughs> I've been selling modafinil, smart drugs, to people. In the blood selling. of your brethren. Hey. That's where you're washing it in. <laughs> Look, skin folk ain't always your kin folk. Remember that, people. Oh, that's a I good line. Now. We need to put that Bars. on a mug. <laughs> so, Karis, you have a podcast series, right? I do, I do. It is new and it's really exciting. I've been working on it for like a year now and it's like my pet project. Um, and uh, it's called The Coming Out Tapes. It's an audio archive of LGBT stories. And it's basically an excuse for me to talk to loads of amazing LGBTQ plus people um, and ask them how did they come out and what were their experiences coming out and what do they even think coming out is now anyway. And you've talked to like, like you said, loads of amazing people. You also talked to Oz, right? I did talk to Oz. He was my very first interviewee and he was fantastic. Um, Thank you very much. It's the first episode, so you definitely have to listen. Yeah, that sounds really interesting, man. It is part of Oz's <laughs> canon. Yeah. So... <laughs> If you're a, a fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Of Oz. If you're a fan yeah. of Oz, you'll enjoy this podcast immensely. Yeah. But you've talked to some amazing people and you can listen to that, the coming out tapes. The link is in the show notes below. Um, so I have another question. Users of this non-surface web. Can we call it the um, Melanin Network? The me- no, because then like I'm that's down. suggesting that only people with melanin use the dark web. I mean, everyone- that is the joke he's making. Hey, <laughs> hey. but that's the joke hey. I made initially without using scientific terms. Sorry, what? do you not understand the USP of this podcast? <laughs> Let's call it the dark net. The dark net. Okay, so the dark is. net. Yeah. Use of the dark net. Uh, it was first Look- found in uh, two thousand something, but mm. earlier in 1684 on the coast of Guinea. That was a slavery joke. Oh, I get it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think your, your, your reaction to that was more offensive was than it? the joke itself. That's the intention. <laughs> um, it what's, wasn't. What's great is that um, Aussie being Middle Eastern, Sahel being Indian, Keris being Welsh, <laughs> None of them feel confident <laughs> enough when I crack out a slavery joke. <laughs> yeah, no. We just like very confident. And next, back to time. <laughs> so the question that I'm trying to ask. Um, so there's this chart online that I found mm-hmm. of users of the anonymous internet, mm-hmm. and they've charted out. I'm gonna. You can turn it around. Confirmed. Urine is not sterile. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Okay. There we go. Yo, Oz, I already Oz, knew Oz, that. Oz, Oz, like you can whatever you're into. <laughs> it was for the it, urine story no, that I was going to bring no, up initially. Why, no, no, why, why, are you, why does this feel like a, a PowerPoint presentation about putting all of us into water sports? Just like, <laughs> guys, we haven't tried it already. Uh, just uh, urine. I just want to know what activities <laughs> oh, are sterile. Okay. Totally slip. I am just very yeah. like scientifically minded that way. I do educate people on Sorry. Tinder about sexually transmitted diseases. So. What, um, what other liquids are sterile? Uh, anything that has been boiled. <laughs> it's got to be hot. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving um, on. So this this chart, right? Mm-hmm. It's yes. showing different countries mm-hmm. and like how much they use the dark web. Mm-hmm. We'll put the chart in the pod notes below so you can learn along with us. Yeah, so I was, my question is, why is Italy using the dark web so much? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, I have no idea. Pesto is contraband. It's and so also hard-based. like, I don't want to wildly speculate about the culture of these. Wildly sure. speculate, wildly speculate. Let's speculate. Let's speculate. But, I mean, <laughs> also, I don't know, like, there are okay my actual question is like what is why is there the dark web why is the dark web being used more 
in some countries does that correlate to the types of things you were saying earlier like because there are laws for regular people to do regular stuff but it's illegal there or is it because there's certain activities that are more prevalent in those countries so there's like a whole bunch of factors and that's a really really interesting question trying to understand and you have to sort of do it i think by country by country basis so there are some countries where you're going to have more stuff that you can do on the dark net so more people will sell you drugs if you live in the uk or you live in the us um than if you live in uh, for example a different country where they don't have as good a postal service like if you lived in uzbekistan i don't think as many people are going to sell you crack cocaine via the internet but uh, so that's one reason another reason is that um tor provides greater anonymity than more people who are using it so it relies on the fact that there are lots of people passing these messages between their computers and the internet all at the same time and they're all connecting into different commu- computers so you have like two messages go into one computer and then they come out and you shouldn't be able to guess which one is which so is that like those bits in movies where people just like Jason Bourne style just go into a crowd and you can't see them? Yes. And that would not work if there was no crowd. Yes, exactly. That is that is yeah, that's the analogy. Funnily enough, I haven't seen that within the academic literature, but I'm gonna introduce it. Um so <laughs> yes. the idea is that you need more people to have Uh, greater anonymity and there's a threshold so if there aren't very many people in your country using it when you use Tor it becomes very obvious that you're the person who's using Tor and that defeats the purpose of using it in the first place so in some countries it's also a a, a factor is that there isn't that critical mass to make it actually safe to use right so so in terms of countries and how they use the dark web and how many people use it Mm -hmm. do they all have to go through the different sort of layers of the internet so they have to go through the surface web into like the deep web or are there countries that can that only mostly have activities going through the dark web or the deep web and don't really use the surface web like regular users i think that it's they'll they'll have the surface web but it'll be a heavily restricted surface web ah okay so because of laws in those countries yep. for example okay yeah wow yeah that makes sense actually that's a very interesting question i mean the point in that you know if 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 you're like behind the great firewall of china for example you know by going on would that be considered then going in the dark like if i went on facebook in china would i be would i be in the dark web technically then in in comparatively to china like if you use the vpn if you used yeah. a vpn to get onto it would you have to or do you have to use something um like tour i mean i think the question the overarching question mm-hmm. would be is if you, the way you broke down um the different layers of the web surface web deep web dark web so stuff you can see stuff that's still out there but sort of uh non-indexed on search engines and then stuff that you have to use tour or other ways to get onto is that a constant concept is that the same in the uk compared to somewhere like china or north korea yeah um what constitutes surface web um, deep web and dark web makes sense it does make sense i don't know if there is like an actual technical answer to that my guess would be what we consider to be the surface web is what search engines have heard of and therefore it's not what you necessarily have access to it's what they have on their servers and google 
et al. exist regardless of the laws of specific countries. So the mm. surface web is universal. Mm. It's just that part of that surface web is going to be obscured. In terms of your question, yeah. so if you're going, if you're going to access Facebook through Tor, firstly, if you're based in China, you don't necessarily have to use Tor. You can use a VPN yeah. or a proxy um, without actually having to to use Tor. But I, the what we consider to be the dark web are not necessarily the websites that you're accessing through Tor, it is the websites that are hosted on Tor. So the websites that are hosted, for example, in servers in the US have the domain.com. In the UK, it's .co.uk. In For Tor, it's .onion. So the dark web is the .onion sites. Yeah. So you can still get onto Facebook using Tor, but you're not on a dark net site. Okay, so <clears throat> I guess a really good point then would be to make that distinction because I've heard people explain it and I hope you can um, make it a bit more clear. You've got the web and the internet. So you've got the World Wide Web as we know it, which is based on the architecture of the internet. Um, so that holds true for um, the dark net as well. So if you've got the dark web, which is like the our World Wide Web, it's built on the dark net, which hosts these onion websites is that like right yeah okay sick okay cool because mm. okay do you know i got a good question um you know we're talking about like the surface web and google now google can has like but i'm not like expert on this but google has like bots or crawlers that go out index sites now you know what's that what's to stop google doing the same thing for for websites on the onion network how how does it prevent those websites from being indexed in the same way uh, Google doesn't want to show illegal content or it's not actually allowed to show illegal content. So there's going to be a certain level of, of censorship in terms of the websites that they display. Secondly, a lot of these websites, you, because of the specific way that you need to access them, for example, through Tor, means that they wouldn't give you any data if you just went on them through the normal Google browser. So there's no point in Google um, showing them or adding links to them. And as an extension of that, a lot of these web pages are only going to give you information um, if you access them in that specific way. So having read a, a very good analogy on a Reddit thread, um, if you, so Google doesn't have access to the web pages on my Facebook account unless it logs in through me. So even if it had the web address of my Facebook page, it wouldn't have the additional pages that I can create by clicking on links. So that also means that there's a large proportion of the dark web that, that Google is just not able to see at all. So what if you accident, accidentally see something fucked up on on the tool browser? Let's say you're, you're, just exper you're just like browsing around, you're just experimenting, you're just kind of seeing what's out there. Does that automatically incriminate you? Is that automatically a... So the way that in the UK, some of the laws are phrased, if you view certain types of material, that is a criminal offence, regardless of whether or not you intended to. Mm. It's very difficult to do that on tour because it's not like a normal search engine. Yeah. But I would not recommend that you go onto the dark net and idly click link after link after link just to see where it takes you. Yeah. Don't do that. It's, I, yeah, it's yeah. not a good shout yeah. at all. Well, you know, there's a lot of, you know, bad things. So mm. We should put it, we shouldn't, you shouldn't look at on tour. But for a curious person, you know, if, if that is the case in what you're saying, you know, that is still a criminal offense. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to be super careful when you're on the dark web, basically. Yeah. So basically mm. you you could end up 
even if you went into it with the mm. you know with no intentions mm. you could still end up committing a crime by mm. being on just or being told that you commit a crime yeah Listen, right. quite a, be careful folks. quite an unpleasant one yeah, yeah. what i love about so, all of this is you could replace the term going to the dark net with being an ethnic minority in this country <laughs> and it holds true <laughs> sad times sad yeah. but true really the darknet has become you know a bastion of like the black market you know, mm. which is the thing that came before it so there's all this mystique around the darknet and people are doing this nefarious stuff and you know this stuff has been going on before it right it's just a new platform for criminal activity to take place so is there anything really that mysterious or shrouded in mystery it's just a new avenue for people to commit crimes i mean there, there are lots of things that are very mysterious for example where the people who are committing these crimes are actually based. Mm. So the difference between the darknet and the traditional physical black market is that it allows you to connect with people all over the world. Um, and so the scope and the scale of the crimes being committed are much, much, much bigger. And it's difficult for law enforcement to interact with this because they might not know where people are um, and that makes it difficult for them to collect warrants. They might conduct an investigation and then find out the person that they want to arrest isn't in their jurisdiction and so there's nothing that they can do. So it is mysterious in a way that makes it very difficult to police. Mm, so, That's a good point. So what's quite interesting about that is there's um, sort of more and more mystique is pushed onto the idea and the concept of the dark net mm. and it becomes synonymous with the idea of crime mm. and crime is difficult to police. Um, do you think that there's going to be a case where um, pushing against the idea of the dark net or what it seems to represent this narrative um, will make it easier for people to police things that we use every day like encryption in things like WhatsApp? Yeah, so I, I think definitely that is the case okay. like i think if you're able to use the example of like child pornography on the dark net mm. um as a scare tactic you can convince people that they're more prepared to give up their Liberties. rights like if you're able to make the link between the things that people use overwhelmingly for everyday mundane or even positive reasons to something really really terrible happening you can make a lot of people feel that it's justified to take that right away. And the thing that I think is really interesting about this debate um, is the one that we never really have about the fact that we always sort of portray it as our rights as everyday citizens being restricted versus uh, it, to restrict the rights of criminals. And you say, well, you know, I have nothing to hide. I don't mind if I send my messages via WhatsApp or by an open encryption, um, a, a server to client encryption system that allows the government to read my messages because I've got nothing to hide. And so I'm perfectly happy to trade my rights in order to have better protections. But really, like, I'm not the victim in this scenario. The The person who is the victim is the person who would be persecuted were the government able to read their messages. So the calculus is not, am I prepared to give up my rights in order to have greater ability to, to stop terrorism or crime? It is, am I prepared to give up the rights of some very vulnerable people within society? Um, but that's not the narrative that we ever yeah yeah push. that's a good point isn't it? yeah it's i like, agree that's a good point because people always say it's, it's that idea that you can look at a society and judge society by how they treat the most know, vulnerable the most vulnerable yeah. and yeah it's, i think that's yeah mm. 
it's it's. I want to say something. Really it's linked fun. to individualism, isn't it? It's like you know, if you if you have got nothing to be afraid of, then you know, then then obviously you you would you wouldn't mind this stuff. But you know, that's a really interesting point that you know it's not you who should be worried, but it's in fact the people who could be um, mm. like not taking advantage of, but could. What's the word I'm trying to find? Have be exploited. Could yeah. be exploited. Yeah. In, in this, in these, in these circumstances, it is a quandary. Mm. Yeah, that, that. It's a quandary. <laughs> Four times. <laughs> so your research looks really at darknet markets, right? Mm-hmm. Understand it. And I know, as part of your research, you have a massive spreadsheet looking at the rise and fall of great empires and by empires i mean these these markets so places like silk road that have come and gone um so is there anything cool from your research that you're able to talk about or anything any interesting patterns in sort of the rise and fall of these markets so um first of all it's a database and not a spreadsheet okay uh, and secondly <laughs> wow, that sounds like just multiple spreadsheets but inside one of those <laughs> <laughs> as someone that builds hey, databases you want to take a look at my database <laughs> no it's what? all pivot tables um so there are like it's it's very difficult to measure this kind of um activity because the whole point of it is that it's hidden we have no idea whether or not we have a complete view of the ecosystem that we're looking at so how do you do your work so um i work with data in a lot of different forms. The main bulk of my research that I've done so far has been on um, a publicly available data set collected by an independent researcher called Gwen Branran, who very um, like diligently scraped data. Uh, so what they did is that they went on to these websites and they downloaded all of the information on each page of the, the website using um, like an automated computer program and collected like one and a half terabytes of, of data. Oh. Um, and they have done some like independent research looking at the what they found, um, which is all available online. And that's the same data that I've been looking at and lots of other researchers have also looked at. So what you do is you take these data scrapes and then you take from that the relevant information. So that might be the number of vendors or the number of products or the type of products and how that changes over time. And we can use this data to see how the population is evolving. And it's told us some interesting things. So in terms of the rise and fall, crucially what's happening is that the population is rising. Um, Shit, really? Yeah, so Silk Road was the first um, marketplace. That was in 2011. Um, and the overall population of the ecosystem is like like order of magnitude bigger Um than it was when it first started. So is the amount of money that is passing through these places. We started off with one marketplace. We've now got like 30, I think, active at the moment. Um, wow. Which is just that we know of. There might be others that I haven't seen. Um, so it's much, much, much bigger. And uh, there have been like some setbacks. So when law enforcement have gone in and they've shut down marketplaces. So in 2014, there was an operation called Operation Onimus where they shut down about 12 darknet markets, some of which were quite big. Um, That leads to a decrease in the population, but it doesn't stop the growth. More people are still joining after that. Some of the people who had their accounts shut down, they just moved to other marketplaces. Oh, so vendors do just bounce back. They go, well, that place is shut down. I'm going to go somewhere else on the website. And interestingly, what we've seen is that when this has happened, some vendors have been like, well, 
uh, that's loss of earnings. But if I have if I have accounts on multiple marketplaces, if you shut down one of them, I can continue operating until I set up another account elsewhere. So they're responding by diversifying their portfolio. Mm. Yes, but it's, so I mean, it seems quite futile, doesn't it? I mean, like this effort to shut down all these marketplaces. Um, uh, and is it is it just appeasing? Like, do you think it's just to appease people? Like, what's what to be seen to be doing something? To be seen to be doing something, yeah. Well, so some people would argue that it's not just futile; that it's like actively harmful because um, if you shut down one marketplace, that enables other marketplaces to grow. Um, so a comment that has been made after Silk Road shut down is you took out a large monopoly, and that allowed some of the other smaller marketplaces to actually get a foothold. Um, but it's not the case that these law enforcement interventions are doing like literally nothing. They are closing down accounts. They are um, stopping trade on that marketplace. They are having some kind of impact. But it's really difficult to measure the extent of that impact because I can say, uh, if you look at the ecosystem, it's growing in size and then law enforcement intervenes and it gets a little bit smaller, but then it gets bigger again. Mm. But if it would have let's say that the rate of growth mm. was faster, then it would be a much bigger point right than now. it is now because of that law enforcement intervention. Yeah. It's it's smaller than it could be. But but we don't know how big it, yeah. it would have been if law enforcement hadn't intervened. So we've got no way of saying, like actually quantifying the impact that law enforcement has had. Mm -hmm. So it's I yeah. like genuinely it is an open question as to whether or not it's futile, mm. but whether or not law enforcement are doing it just to like look like they're doing something. I probably think that I think they're probably doing it because these people are breaking the law and it's their job to try and stop yeah, them. That's, from. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And you know, we're talking about drugs a lot, but a lot of these people are doing really terrible things, like sending hitman services or you know ch child porn and stuff. So there's a lot of terrible things going on. Isn't yeah, it? like bounce back to that hitman mm. service mm. because the hitman stuff was actually the first stuff I found on the dark web. Mm. Um, I found a like a Dropbox, so somewhere you could write a message. Uh, give someone the key and they could read the message and the message was imploded and that was super handy for a little while um, <laughs> but then I found it was also linked to this um, like an escrow service which is Bitcoin and um, then a hitman service I was like oh what's this mm. and reading through the terminology I was like oh shit this is a real hitman yeah. I'm like yeah. I'm like this like they're doing a bit too much for a bit like for yeah. it to be a joke yeah and I'm like oh shit like yeah. you can kill someone like it only costs Four hundred dollars. That's intense, man. <laughs> like, Probably yeah. a scam, though. Yeah, yeah, I know. But at the same time, like, imagine getting taken out by a uh, deep or a dark net hitman service and finding out that it was four hundred dollars. Like, oh my! <laughs> think about it. Think about it. How I'll be like, yeah, it's like, how disrespected worth more than that, motherfucker. <laughs> how disrespected would you feel? I need uh, you, if you're gonna hitman me, man. I want you to get the best motherfucker hitman yeah. you can get. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want. <laughs> I would like whoever tries to assassinate me just to be, you know, efficient and frugal with the money. If you can find someone who'll do it for $400 and you reckon that they can actually do it, then no. don't waste your money, man. No, 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 because I'm not here getting choked Spend out. Spend it on your kid's education. No, I'm not here getting choked out at two in the morning by my, on like a pillow, all right? I want someone to like put a bit of thought into exactly, it. Exactly, man. Look, I'll lend you some money if yeah. it's not really a big issue. I mean. like, give it <laughs> also, I don't think somehow that like someone is going to try to Hitman, you is going to be thinking about kids' education somehow. <laughs> you don't know their life. <laughs> All right, they could be a provider. Kill this person, also give a home to this child. Yeah. <laughs>
so so how oz do you feel like we've learned like a lot about the dark web and everything i have learned mm. that Keris does not sit in a dark room mm. whilst they do their research oh. <laughs> so how i also don't sit in a giant web <laughs> that is more disappointing somehow <laughs> So, so how mm. do you feel like you've learned something new today? Do you know what? Genuinely, this has been very interesting. I'm quite interested in this topic and I feel like I've learned quite a bit about it. Do you think that you're going to use some of these sort of the stuff with Tor in your life as a journalist? Like, well, weirdly, I use Tor already yeah. for stuff, certain stuff, but um, nothing illegal. <laughs> just for, saying. Just saying. Just looking for a friend of a friend of a friend, friend of a friend. Friend of a friend. Aussie Ismail. <laughs> 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 No, but it's been very, very interesting. You're a very smart lady. Um, them. Person. Person. <laughs> oh, person. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That was really sweet. Person. And yeah. Ke- oh, I'm going to keep that in. I'm going to enjoy that one. I'm just going to enjoy it myself. Keris, have you enjoyed today? I have. Thank you so much for having me. No, I think it's been really great. And we've genuinely learned so much. As always, I've been Alex Lathbridge. I've been joined by Oz and Sahail. Yo, yo. See you later, folks. And the wonderful Keris Bradley. Bye. And this has been Why You're a Doctor Yet. Peace. Peace. So you might be thinking, oh my God, how do I hear more about this amazing podcast that combines humor, entertainment, pop culture, and cutting edge science? Or you might be thinking, oh wow, these guys are geniuses and I have questions that only they can answer. Or you might be thinking, oh wow, these guys aren't even real doctors and I know way more about science than them and I want them to know this. So how do I let them know this as quickly as possible? So what you've got to do for us right now is leave us an iTunes review. I know you hear it everywhere, but it's super important because we want that sweet internet validation. Or you can send us your questions or comments by email. It's at whynotdoc at gmail.com. And if you want to stay up to date with what we're doing, you can go by social media. It's at whynotadoc on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Remember, iTunes review, follow us on social media, annoy us by email. Thanks. 